0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This one's for everybody that watched Muggsy Bogues. Everybody that saw Spud Webb dunk a basketball and thought, if he can do it, I can too. This is for all the football fans that cheered when Barry Sanders or Darren Sproles broke a tackle, or Bob Sanders or Anton Winfield Sr. made one. This is for everybody out there that's ever been doubted for the supposed athletic sin of being too short. It's time for the short kings to shine on bootleg football.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Bootleg Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Coleman, uh, here with a perfectly wonderful Pacifico celebrating Short King Spring here over on Bootleg Football. My wonderful co host, EJ Snyder, is here with me as well. EJ, buddy, before we dive into uh to all these I don't want to say vertically challenged, uh vertically diverse,
0: vertically diverse. Uh, NFL
1: you know, NFL draft prospects here. Uh first things first, how are you doing? What are you drinking? I'm
0: doing great, and I have a Rogue Dead Guy Ale, one of my favorites, but the draft tie-in to this particular beer is it's got the little mock draftable star on the back of the can so that you know where it fits on the toffee, nutty, roast, bitter, malt scale. It, it flavors it in for you there, so uh, that's what I'll be enjoying, but a Pacifico is a fine choice to uh, celebrate those that are achieving on many levels but not necessarily on the height scale.
1: <laughs> well we're gonna jump right into this uh, again we're we're only looking at you know players that are 510 and change or shorter so there's no uh, offensive or defensive lineman here. it's all uh, QB running back receiver and then kind of the back seven on defense corner linebacker safety. Uh, to my knowledge there's no, 510 defensive lineman in this class although i will say there is fancy actually. on tape kind of looks like it a little bit but
0: there is there there i went scrolling through all the pro day results of our good friend alec cats spreadsheet and uh, i did find a particular lineman that was uh, five nine and three hundred pounds uh but um what? mm-hmm that's just a bowling ball, <laughs> right? That is that is this profile. So, uh, but no, we did not include linemen uh, or tight ends for that matter, so that we did not have to explain how players that were you know six one or six three were quote unquote short for the position. We just went with straight up five ten and change or less uh and we're looking for the chance to talk about a bunch of these players that we haven't shined a light on we've mentioned lots of them at one time or another but uh this is a chance for us to come back and focus on these players and share a lot of their skills and attributes that we love on tape there's this is a group that we're excited about so this should be a fun one
1: well potentially the first overall pick of the draft uh, is going to be kicking us off here bryce young at quarterback you know, obviously, he is a size outlier in almost every sense of the word uh, at the quarterback position. It's not that often that you see uh, any top quarterback prospect at, at five ten or shorter. You know, Kyler was uh, the last one that I can remember, um, but Kyler was also a lot thicker than Bryce was in terms of playing weight. I would say the closest comp in terms of both height and weight maybe that we've ever seen the NFL is probably Doug Flutie. And even then, I think Doug was still a little bit thicker than Bryce was, at least at his reported playing weight last year. Um, it's it's talked that he's going to play at 200 as a rookie, but I, I'm also kind of like, eh, believe it when we see it, because that was like the thickest he had ever been right when he weighed in around that range. Uh, you know, maybe he downed a couple gallons of water before stepping on the scale. A couple? Three or four. Four, yeah. (laughs) I I will say this, though. Even despite all of that, despite him being a size outlier, he's still got the best quarterback tape in this class, and I don't necessarily think that anybody would disagree with that. And that's nothing against C.J. Stroud. Stroud also might go first overall. It's it's literally between those two. But if Bryce Young was 6'2", 215, this would not be a discussion. Because all the actual, you know, quarterback things that he puts on tape, touch, timing, anticipation, post-snap reads, uh, you know, pre-snap reads, getting his offense into the right play at the right time, you know, having eyes in the back of of his head in the pocket, being so cool under pressure, like, he has top-tier quarterback prospect ever, tape. It's very reminiscent of, like, a Joe Burrow to me. He's just a lot smaller than Joe Burrow. Um, And so that's really the only reason why there is a debate around the number one pick. And and to be honest, if Carolina ends up taking Bryce Young number one overall, I would completely sign off on that and be totally okay with it. Now I am biased because again, he's a modern day alum. I'm a modern day alum. I've been watching him since he was a teenager when he transferred into modern day as a junior. And even coming off of the JT Daniels era at modern day, who set every single like CIF record, Bryce Young was still way better (laughs) that's that's like shocking considering moderators quarterback history Bryce Young is still the best one even though there's been multiple number one players overall multiple Heisman winners multiple NFL quarterbacks in that lineage Bryce Young is still the best one uh and and that says a lot um he is just phenomenal at everything that has to do with being a quarterback he's just small that's literally the only thing
0: Yeah, I saw that Peyton and Eli are kicking off their series looking at draft prospects. They, of course, started with quarterbacks, and they started with Bryce Young. And the little outtake I saw from that episode was the two brothers sitting around (laughs) and Peyton saying, you know, if he'd been 6'4 for his entire college career and now he was 5'10, I would worry. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a thing. He's been doing this at this size. And the other thing with everybody that says about Bryce Young, "Oh, oh, it's the height, oh, it's the height, oh, it's the height. You're, you're discounting SEC competition, which is all the players on your team that were drafted high and are starting, and you're also discounting Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. We're saying that suddenly Nick Saban forgot what it took to win his league or produce a quarterback that could do that or just somehow made an exception because he thought Bryce Young was a great guy and he was just going to give him the chair. <laughs> are you serious? Like Not a thing. Bryce Young's quarterback tape is exceptional. It's all about durability in the NFL, and Bryce Young is coming into the NFL at a time when quarterback protections are at an all-time high. No matter what you think about defensive roughing the passer penalties, they protect the quarterback more than they ever have. There is more protection when a quarterback runs. Bryce Young, however, is going to have to learn to slide feet first because right now he slides head first and you're not offered the same protection if you do that. So he's going to do that about once and run into a, oh, I don't know, Miles Garrett and go, oh, I should (laughs) never do that again. But as long as the team that drafts him assumes that or believes that he will be available physically late in the season to take them on a presumed playoff run and, and further if he plays well, they will draft Bryce Young because his tape is exceptional. His poise is exceptional. He does things that other people just can't do. And I'm not necessarily talking about from a physical standpoint. He does deliver physically. He does not have not a small arm. For a small guy, he has a good to above average medium arm. He can make the throws. He shows good zip from all platforms. He is not one of those small throwers that needs to be in a perfect set to deliver a catchable ball. Not at all and every other skill that you look at bryce young is at the top level in this draft so it's really just about whether or not you think he'll last in the nfl and he has lasted in the sec which is a the biggest strongest fastest league in college football so it's the best possible model for what you're going to get at the nfl yes the nfl ramps it up another degree but as long as a team's comfortable with that and some team will be Don't kid yourself. Uh, Certainly within the top three picks, Bryce Young is going to be off the board, and he's going to be starting next year for a team in the NFL.
1: Even if the physical comp is Doug Flutie, I think the play style comp, and this is something that you've kind of emphasized recently, is like, okay, what's the physical comp and what's the plays like comp? He plays like Drew Brees to me in the sense Mm -hmm. that there are a lot of shorter quarterbacks where – you know, being compressed with interior pressure really screws that up screws them up because they can't they can't find throwing lanes over the middle, they can't see mm-hmm. over the middle. You know, it's been a problem for Russ. It's been a problem for Kyler. Like you look at the heat maps and like in terms of under 15 yards over the middle of the field, they they really avoid those areas because they can't see. And then you look at Drew Brees, who again, shorter guy, but he lived over the middle of the field because breeze was so good at reading defenses and being an anticipatory thrower based on reading coverage that he just threw to spots that he knew were open based on the coverage he was reading you look at those great saints teams in the late 2000s early 2010s like both their guards were six five six six and it didn't matter because Mm -hmm. breeze was such a good anticipatory thrower and so good at processing and reading and just knowing where the windows are even with all these rotations and everything like that, he knew, okay, if safety's coming down from a too high look into the weak hook, that means this linebacker's going here, that linebacker's going here, that nickel's here. I know where the window is. It's just having that ultra-fast processor, it can kind of make up for not having vision, you know? And I think Bryce Young plays to that style where his processor is just unreal. Uh, it's, it's, It's rare. It's extraordinarily rare. So, yeah, like, I, I know the Drew Brees comp is lofty, but <laughs> tape says what it says, man. Like, it's it's, it is what it's it is. the
0: first tape that Peyton and Eli pulled up, right? Yeah. They pulled up Drew Brees because it is the comp that you see a lot with Bryce Young. And, and Eli's point was, look, he's in the shotgun there. He's seven yards off the line of scrimmage already. You can see the lanes from back there. You're going to mm-hmm. see the lanes develop. It's not like Alabama's offensive line was small. <laughs> they run them mm-hmm. big down there on the front. He's used to that. All those guys are in the NFL. The offensive line from Alabama gets drafted every year. We're, we're not going to see any difference this year. Tyler Steen's going to go to the NFL. Like, those guys are going. They're going to be the guys that he plays behind in the league. It's the same size profile. So again, he's already done it at very high levels of competition. It just comes down to do you believe at that size that he's durable enough to one avoid hits because that's the number one. Let's not get hurt in the first place. And when he eventually has to take one because he will and he has in the SEC, will he hold up over the long term? Because when you're talking about a top five pick, it's a lot of investment. And if he's not on the field for you, That's a massive risk. Other than that, everything else, like you said, checks every box bright
1: green. Moving from quarterback to running back now, uh, this one was extraordinarily tough because there were 12 running backs invited to the combine that came in at like 5'10 and change or less. And traditionally, running back is the shortest position on the field, so that makes sense. There's usually a lot of really, really small guys well, I should say small vertically, not small uh, size-wise, because some of them are also friggin' jacked. And this year is no different. We're looking at, at two guys here, one being uh, you know the senior bowl darling, Ty J Spears, and the other being somebody who we had mentioned previously uh, when we did our 10 Gems episode. He was one of my honorable mentions. That is Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. I want to kind of highlight him uh more today in in, in deeper depth. But first things first, we're going to start off with Taiji Spears, who I feel like we just really can't talk enough about how dynamic and explosive he is.
0: Yeah, we talked about him a little bit in our 10 Gems, and we said, ah, everything's, everything's been said about Ty J Spears. What could we possibly say about Ty J Spears? It hasn't been said after his showing at the Senior Bowl and showing out against USC in the bowl game. He really was riding a high into the early part of draft season. I've cooled on that take a little bit. Not that Ty J Spears is bad, but that everything possible has been said. I went back and rewatched him last week and i thought "Mm, now we got to get a shot at ty j spears we haven't said enough about him because he is special and when i watched ty j spears's tape i tried to condense my thoughts about what is really special about him what makes him really special and he has like two superpowers combined that make the other one more dangerous Mm. and in the end that makes some amazing tape so imagine you were a you know a knight in old England and you had you know a bottle of acid that weakened armor and the sharpest sword in the land like two things that play off each other and really make it just this huge power combination and for him it's mid-run burst he's got rare special mid-run burst he like will the ability wait.
1: to get from like second gear to third gear Type thing, Just
0: to hit it, right? He will wait. He is a patient runner. But when he sees it and triggers, you see him accelerate by defenders in a way that I would say no other back in this class does. And there are backs that are timed faster than him because he tops out. He gets to that speed incredibly quickly when he decides to turn it on. And he does top out. He is not the fastest long speed guy. You will see him get picked up down the field. But that first burst, which I call mid-run, from when he decides to trigger and hit the gas and go, is unreal. And it's against any competition you want. He did it against USC, which is packed with athletes. He did it against plenty of teams. He did it against TCU. You name it. And he does it over and over and over again. And the second power that combines with that that makes it so dangerous is his contact balance and ability to run through tackles. Mm -hmm. Because you see people with good angles and then he turns the speed on and the angles turn to shit immediately. And everybody ends up diving and lunging and throwing arms at his legs, trying to get anything. And he's really good at running through contact. So he blows through that and then he's free and forget about it and it's that combination of i've got him to oh now i'm having to run this really tight u-shape because i thought i had him down there and now i'm literally either not going to touch him or i'm going to be making a grasping sort of flailing attempt as opposed to just plastering this guy and he can run through that even at his size he has really stout contact balance he stays over his feet he runs through arm tackles and he makes those tackles weaker and then just shreds them and it's a sight to behold. Tajay Spears, one of the most electric playmakers in this entire draft,
1: and he was extraordinarily consistent throughout the, throughout the year too, against all different levels of competition. Starting in mid October, I look this up just because I, I I I love reading off these numbers, even though like I know we're not like a, a numbers podcast, but like this is just but they're insane. fun, insane. Starting in mid October, going through January, so you know almost. Two, more than two, like two and a half months, right, uh, of games here. He put up 151, 125, 157, 130, 121, 181, 199, and 205 in consecutive games back to back to back to back to back, uh, as well as a whole host of touchdowns. In the last game against USC, he put up 205 and four touchdowns, <laughs> averaging 12 yards a carry. Yeah. which I know USC couldn't tackle to save their life, but still, like, that is... That's insane. Like, that is absolutely insane, and the tape was equally insane. Uh, he is one of the most talented running backs in this entire class, and to be honest, if it wasn't for Bijan Robinson, I think that he would be in the running for RB1 in this class. I really do. Uh, I know that Jameer Gibbs is also getting, like, you know, late first-round buzz, early second-round buzz. I think that he's a little bit more on the pure like third down receiving back side, whereas Tyje is a little bit more well-rounded. Not that I don't love Gibbs. Like he's an honorable mention in this category anyway, but like I think I think Tyje is – okay, I got, I got to give one of these guys like 17 touches in a game. Like who do I think can actually do it in all, all situations, short yardage, low red zone, middle of the field, third down, whatever. TyJ is that guy, and were it not for Bijan being in this class, he'd probably be seen as maybe the most versatile and valuable running back in this whole group. He'd be in that conversation for
0: sure because he's not bad in the pass game. That's the thing is when we talk in all these superlatives about his running ability, people go, yeah, but can he pass protect? And at his size, he puts up a good fight in pass protection, but in the passing game, he's a weapon. There, He mm-hmm. runs a multitude of routes. This is not simply a screen guy as a running back. You see him on wheels, you see him put them up the seam, you see him on little sneak and leak routes, you see him on the old Texas option route. They use him as a fully featured back or used him as a fully featured back in the passing game at Tulane. He has experience, he has good hands, he has great body control, gets his feet down in the end zone if he's near the pylon when he's catching a ball near the sideline. Like he is a fully functioned receiver as well. And when you add that to his unreal running ability, yes, he would be in the conversation for the top and most versatile back in this class. And I think really still is, I think Bijan's kind of like, remember when Kyle Pitts came out as a tight end? And Mm -hmm. we basically said, look, Kyle Pitts is Kyle Pitts. Yeah, he's a tight end, but he could be an X. He could be whatever. Kyle Pitts is just Kyle Pitts. Like, let's judge all (laughs) the other tight ends for being tight ends. And I kind of feel like it's like that with Bijan. Like, Bijan is Bijan. Bijan is utterly great. Let's just judge all the other running backs. And if you're looking at that pile... Ty J Spears has got to be near the top.
1: Now, one of the ones uh, that is seen as near the bottom, through no fault of his own, is Deuce Vaughn. I see him consistently mocked, like, sixth, seventh round. And I get it. Like, I truly understand why he's 5'5", 180. I totally get it. But if we're just going off tape, that is not a seventh round pick. It's probably not a sixth round pick either. Mm-mm. And I, I struggle with the eval because I know that it's very rare to see an NFL running back with his with his size profile, but it's not very rare to see an NFL running back with his BMI profile because 180 at 5'5 is pretty freaking rocked up, mm-hmm. and he handles contact a lot better than a 5'5 running back should because he's so rocked up. But at the same time. He's really quick. He's really shifty. He's got arguably the best feet in this class, like TyJ Spears included. His change of direction is nasty. Like, there's no other way to describe it. Just nasty. Catches the ball well. He was the engine of that K-State offense. They were one of the very best teams in the entire league. And they played against some really good competition, some really good defenses. They played against Bama. I never saw his size hinder him against any of those defenses, Bama included. So I, I struggle with the eval because I understand we just, we haven't seen very many, if any, running backs like him before in the league. But the tape is the tape, and I I just, I refuse to believe that there's like 30 running backs better than him in this class. I just, I don't believe that.
0: There aren't, and it is the size profile. So first off, shout out to the shortest of the short kings in this episode, one of the shortest players in the NFL draft for a very long time. Maybe if ever. I'm not sure if ever, but it's got to be really close. He's in that running. How you feel about Deuce Vaughn is if you're having trouble with, hey, Deuce Vaughn, he's, I love him, but he's just small. Go back to Tariq Cohen when he was healthy the first two years mm-hmm. in Chicago. Because he came from a smaller school. Deuce Vaughn played at a bigger school. But Tariq Cohen played at a smaller school. But he was electric for his first two years in the league. And I realized that this is a double-sided coin comp, right? Because Tariq Cohen was electric until he got hurt, suffered a grievous injury. And some people will say, hey, if he wasn't so small, it wouldn't happen. I tend to disagree with that. I don't know the, the way
1: that Cohen got hurt. Like, it, it's, it was just a freak thing. Right. You know?
0: And so I would discount that a little bit. But there will be those people that say, hey, size contributed to that. You can say that if you want to. But when Tariq Cohen was healthy, there was a reason Chicago gave him the contract like the second contract, was because he was making a big difference for them on the offense, in his role, and on special teams. He was a worthwhile NFL player, somebody that the Bears reinvested in. I would say wisely, again, not knowing he was going to get injured because you can never know that. It was a smart decision. It was one of the re-signings where I went, that's that's a good call. You drafted that guy later, which is what's going to happen to Vaughn. He proved his worth, and you reinvested because he's a big part of moving this team forward in a couple of different phases. I feel like Deuce Vaughn is going to fall into that category. I don't think anybody's going to take that chance on day two. And they might not even take it early on day three. They might wait for four because, as we've said over and over again this year, it's an incredibly deep class. There's going to be other good players that have fallen into the top of day three. Team might need to fill their cornerback ranks or get that edge player that they think has whatever. But then you're going to get to the fifth round. And you're gonna be sitting there, and I bet Deuce Vaughn's gonna be sitting there. Unless he is the apple of some GM's eye. Cough, cough, Howie Roseman. <laughs> Cause <laughs> Howie loves this template of player. Like loves yes. like, he famously like broke a pencil or whatever, had an had an off reaction when the Bears jumped them and took Tariq Cohen. He really wanted Tariq Cohen. And he ended up taking another small dynamic back that year. Didn't turn out for them. But there are GMs that like this profile and they are not going to be able to stay away from Deuce Vaughn on tape. His change of direction is electric. It doesn't even look physically possible and he is so small at 5'5" that it almost starts to work for him. He hides behind mm-hmm. his lineman on purpose. Like he hides himself from the eyes of the defensive lineman. They lose sight of him and he is gone like a shot and he uses that to his advantage. He is very small. He can duck under arm tackles. He can make the target that you have to try and hit as a linebacker very small. He turns sideways and darts off in another direction. He's not easy to get a hand on. Very good speed, very good through contact, Uh, adept in the passing game. Yeah, you got to have an accurate quarterback. His arms aren't that long, but if you put it near him, he is a threat to make yak yards after the catch. This is a very complete player that just, again, happens to not be all that tall.
1: Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of, like, break glass in case of emergency picks, again, starting in the fifth round, if I if I got nothing else I like on the board, just take Deuce because you know he's going to be – like, you know what he is, right? And you know that as long as you have an offensive coordinator that's worth a damn, you can find a role for him, and he's probably going to be pretty good in that role. So, like, I'd be all about it starting in the fifth for, honestly, a variety of teams. Like, pretty much anybody sure. who needs a change of pace back, I'm all about it. Uh, Moving to receiver here. Uh, Again, no shortage of short receivers in this class. Uh, In fact, most of the top guys are short kings, so to speak. We've talked a lot about Zay Flowers and and Josh Downs, so we're not going to highlight them here because we talk about them constantly. So we're going to (laughs) try to move to some other names that maybe we haven't talked about as much. If you want to hear our thoughts on Zay and downs, I mean, even, as, even as recently as like uh, the live stream that we had earlier this week. Uh, we talked about them profusely over there in addition to our, our 10 Gems episodes and all that. So uh, we're going to highlight some, some lesser known, shorter receivers in this class, uh, starting with Tank Dell, uh, Parker Washington from Penn State, who got sort of a mention in last week's episode because we were talking about his teammate, but I really want to highlight uh, Parker Washington today, and uh, another modern day alum because we just we can't, can't go get enough a, an episode of bootleg without talking about modern day nico Romijio from fresno state by way of cal who is one of if not the best returner in this class while doubling is a pretty effective slot receiver so uh, we're gonna start off with tank dell who this one i i will admit i struggle with because we've seen some small receivers before but Boy, 166 is is really, really pushing it. Uh, the one thing that he can do uh, well, though, is not get touched at 166. So you, you, you kind of have to believe that, you know, he won't get hurt because nobody can touch him.
0: That's true. And I struggled the same way around Senior Bowl time. Nathaniel Tank Dell made lots of headlines with his releases. And we all know about one-on-one drills at All-Star Games between DBs and wide receivers how they do or don't translate. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. He has incredibly quick feet. But as someone put it to me this week, he's the size of an eighth grader. (laughs) And I was like, oh, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he is. But he can do things that no eighth grader I know can do. And I ended up going to his tape later. I didn't watch him. I was trying to get everybody done for Shrine Bowl. We weren't going to senior this year. He was on my list for afterwards. And of course, he went near the top of the list based on all the buzz he got at the senior bowl. But I too looked at his size and went, "Huh, I don't know. I don't know. That's a nice trick, right?" I got into his tape and my tune changed. Um, mm-hmm. speaking of tune, I was watching his quarterback Clayton Tune first beforehand and it's tank tell. Tank tell, tank tell, tank tell, burning any flavor of defensive back you want. Again, very hard to touch off the line. A lot of the same arguments we made for Devonta Smith when everybody said, he's too small. Devonta's a lot taller, but still very slight. We said, it's not going to matter. Nobody can touch him in the SEC if he's got a release game like that. Tank's got the same release game, but then you start looking at everything else his ability to high point the ball his ability to catch in traffic his ability to run very sharp routes in addition to having very good releases i don't know that that will surprise anybody having really good feet along the sidelines he's incredibly coordinated he's very very fast once he's out and open you're not catching up to him and then you look at that production that i talked about and this was the one that got me it was a tweet from ben Fennell. Tank Dell has 23 red zone TDs over the last two seasons. That is almost double the next highest draft prospect. Kincaid, Durham, Rasheed Rice, Mitchell Tinsley all have 12. Josh Downs, Michael Meyer, and Grant DuBose have 11. Again, Tank Dell way up here by himself with 23. The guy is a great receiver. Yes, he is tiny. He is very hard to get a hand on. he catches the ball with his hands, he high points, he's excellent around the sidelines, runs a wide variety of routes and he scores over and over and over again. I have opened the door to the possibility of a tank Dell and when you look at successful receivers again in the modern NFL, if you're really really upset about Tank Dell take a look at Jalen Waddle. <laughs> Jalen Waddle is smaller than you think he's much bigger than Tank Dell but he's a lot smaller than you think. He's in the one seventies. He's under six foot. He's incredibly fast. Great, great release package, great hands, great body coordination, similar argument. Just again, how much towards that size outlier? Are you willing to slide for a guy that is incredibly skilled? You just believe, will he be on the field? I think he has a good chance to do that. And again, some team is going to get past the risk factor in the middle rounds and go, you know, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. he
0: blew everybody else in this class away production-wise. How much do we really care that, you know, your son is bigger than him?
1: My, my main thing with Dell, um, and I kind of alluded to this when talking about Deuce Vaughn, where it's like, okay, he's a size outlier but not a BMI outlier, right? And and Deuce could take punishment because even though he's short, he's really thick. Well, Tank is short and not thick. And mm-hmm. so my, you know, going back to the Devonta Smith Argument where it's like, ah, it, it, you know, it, him not being able to beat, pest, beat press through physicality doesn't matter because people don't, can't touch him when they're trying to press him anyway. That's also true for Dell. People can't touch him when they're trying to press him. So I, I don't have a worry about him beating press. What I have a worry about is if he's breaking inside and he catches over the middle uh, and Tremaine Edmonds catches him in the ribs, will he turn to dust? <laughs> that that's my main thing. It's not skill. It's not ability. It's not production. It's not any, like he's gonna get open against NFL corners. That's obvious. Just like it was obvious about Devonta Smith. Devonta would get open against NFL corners. But even Devonta, for as small as he was, still had more armor than than Tank. And so for me, it's it's not a question about will he get open. It's a question of how often will he get open before somebody opens him. Uh, so it's that's that's my one thing. And it's it's a nuanced discussion because you're you're talking about player ability versus trying to project durability, which is a crapshoot in and of itself. There are guys that are big and strong to get hurt all the time anyway, and you never really know. Um, but it is something that I think teams will take into account.
0: Oh, I don't I don't doubt it. So Tank Dell, 165 at the combine, will probably be 167, maybe 168 by the time he hits the league. One of your favorites from last year on the other side of the ball plays for the hmm.
1: Patriots. Uh, talking about Jack Jones or Marcus Jones, or both? <laughs> well,
0: both <laughs> in this particular case. But yeah. again, I think it's it's relevant to this discussion because Marcus was more like Deuce. He was short, but he is, yeah. he is a very solid athlete and held up in the return game, which is the highest impact part of football. But Jack Jones was 177 at the Combine and played – below that in college so i would say 175 maybe even late season 173 we're Still talking 10 about pounds a, uh no at that point it's like seven or eight pounds and
1: you know well, 165
0: to 175 well one i would bet that he was probably 173 in some later season arizona state games like he's a very slight guy but people are like he plays defense he's the hitter right and people were like oh, i'm good with it and jack jones you know before the end of the season, was playing very good football for the Patriots. Everybody was
1: cool with it. We're talking about seven pounds. Right? I know. I know. I, know. I just... I know. If the further you get into the 160s, the more I'm kind of like... Don't don't believe that I am not <laughs> worried about it. Right? Because you're right.
0: The first time that he finds a hunting safety, everybody's going to hold their breath. And rightfully yeah. so. Um, so. when coming downhill... Like, somebody's going to tag him. But again, he's been tagged. People say, oh, they don't tackle him, you know, his league.
1: Eh,
0: I get it. He's been hit. He's been playing football his whole life. He doesn't think it's an issue. He's been doing it at a high level. And he's the, as much as we worry about the physical outlier, and it is. It is a massive physical outlier. You look at the production outlier, and, like, he's literally doubling up the best guys in this draft in terms of his ability to produce scores in the red zone. You know, yeah. it's a, no, it's he's, a plus he's minus legit.
1: He's legit as yeah. a receiver for sure. And yeah. and if people question his, his skills as a receiver or his production as a receiver, they just didn't watch him. <laughs> like, yeah. And that up, was, that, that was me.
0: Him. I wasn't as familiar. And when I went back to his tape, I was like, Oh, could, I'm looking at all the boxes I have on my sheet. Right. Yep. Yep. Holy cow. Yep. Wow. Ooh, okay. He's got route diversity too. Okay. 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 And then you're like, I don't know. I got to say that I'm at, you know, I'm heavily intrigued at this point where I was only mildly interested before.
1: Now the one who I want to highlight, uh, is, uh, you know, we talked about Mitchell Tinsley last week when we were talking about shadow sleepers. Well, Parker Washington is the person casting the shadow over Mitchell Tinsley and I uh, I, I do believe that even though Tinsley is undervalued, I also believe that Parker Washington is undervalued for what he mm-hmm. is. I think both of these Penn State receivers are undervalued. And just to put it in the context of, of the type of build that Washington brings to the table as a smaller slot receiver, again he's 5'10", uh, he's 40 pounds heavier than Tangdell. He's 205. So, he very much is a thick boy, even though he's he's on the shorter side of the receiver spectrum. And I think if I'm like trying to find a comp here, he's in that like Sterling Shepard, Christian hmm. Kirk-ish. Like some people even said Golden Tate, which I I could see that. I think Golden was a little bit faster, but yeah. in terms of shorter guy. That plays big, and they're thicker and more physical. They fight through contact. Like his uh, Parker Washington's contested catch rate is seventy-one percent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's all That's about these double Quentin Johnston, mm-hmm. like literally double. He he is so good in contested catch situations, so good in jump ball situations. Even though he's not the tallest guy, because he has phenomenal hands, phenomenal body control. He's thick enough to fight through contact with a corner down the field when you're shoving and jostling each other. He's a good route runner. He's tough over the middle. I, just, I love him, and I think he's a very, very underrated player, again, just like his teammate Mitchell Tinsley, who's also a very good contested catcher. Um, if I want to just pull up one play that I think encapsulates Parker Washington as a player, there's a touchdown he had against Ohio uh, from <laughs> like the 40-yard line. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were in empty, and he's kind of running like a a pressure in cut against a linebacker where he's selling vertical. And he crossed the linebacker's face, and he was was trying to settle in the middle of the field for this ball, and the quarterback threw it like way in front of him. So he had to like go-go gadget arms, get this thing at a really awkward angle. And it kind of set him on a trajectory towards the other hook zone defender where he's like, okay, I can't just run up the middle now. I got to put on a move so he plants does like a, a crazy ass spin move and then just takes off down the sideline and scores and I'm like shit man <laughs> like that's that's a starting NFL slot receiver that can adjust to a hard ball spin out of a tackle and then you know put the yak skills to work to score. He's a fantastic player, a very underrated player and I don't know it feels like we say this about Penn State every single year. How are they not winning more games than they are when they have these types of dudes on the field?
0: It's rugged when you look at the the sum total of, of athletes and football players, those things being interchangeable, but everybody at Penn State is an athlete, and they put out some immensely good football players as well. They have guys in both categories. Parker Washington, the thing that attracts me to his game more than anything is the hands. I think he has the best hands in this draft. I'm not going to say bar none because I, I don't really like that phrase. There are a lot of guys that have some really interesting hands-catching profiles. Parker Washington is solidly in that discussion, might be at the top of it. I'm a little less high on his overall game uh, than you or the, or the Patreon film crew that's putting out all the reports. I like it, I don't love it, and I think there's some other attributes from other receivers I like a little better, but when you just look at, again, his toughness, his route running ability, and his ability to catch literally damn near everything, every single time, no matter how garbage it was, he is an attractive guy that I think has a role, a defined role in the NFL, that's always when you're projecting a player or something that's really interesting to look at, and that he will play for a while. He will be a good number three in the NFL, and there is certainly a role for that. That is a one of the most common formations going in the modern NFL, and I think he'll slot, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, <laughs> very nicely into that role for some time to come in
1: the NFL. Yeah, I mean, again, these types of players, you're just shooting for, like, am I getting Tyler Boyd? And if the answer is yes, I'm like, cool, worth the pick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Almost sure. doesn't matter where it is, like, worth the pick, worth the pick. Yeah. Um, Now, our third receiver we're going to talk about here, you know, even though he is a good slot receiver and does a lot of the stuff that the other slots in this class do, like he's got, um, you know, really good short area quickness, good route runner, extraordinarily tough over the middle, like freaking warrior over the middle. He does something that many of the slot receivers in this class don't do, which is just rip your face off on returns. And Nico Remigio from Fresno State is an electric returner, uh, was one of the best in all of college football at any level, any conference, doesn't matter. Um, And I think that when you watch him in terms of how he returns, it's kind of like you you just took a shrink ray of Marshawn Lynch and then said, (laughs) go out there and shag punts. Like, it is so violent and physical and instinctive. Like, honestly, I truly think that you could give him some snaps at running back and he could do it.
0: Yeah, and looking at offensive weapons, again, in the way the game is played now, doesn't really matter what your designation is. We're giving wide receivers carries, jet sweeps, pop passes, bubble passes, touch tap, whatever. They're getting touches from the backfield where they are navigating from basically directly where the quarterback gets the ball in the pocket. and. You add, I I wouldn't even say you add return versatility. I would start with the return versatility with Nico. I love him as a player. We got to interview him at the Shrine Bowl. He wasn't playing because he was uh, rehabbing a foot injury, but super smart really sharp uh in fact i threatened uh in humorous fashion the first day we arrived at shrine i found out that nico wasn't going to be playing because he was rehabbing the injury and i said that's it i'm leaving he was the guy i was most excited to see overall in the in the shrine bowl experience and we did get a chance to sit and interview with him great guy super smart very solid approach to the game and i think if you're adding things in it's the ability as a receiver you're starting with a return specialty as the sort of primary way he's going to make the roster, uh, or be on a practice squad and be an alternate, whatever he's going to be. And then when I went back to his tape as a receiver, I was like, "Oh, I'm pleasantly surprised. He has a lot of the same attributes. He's got some pop here, certainly plays with violence. And I mean, violence of how he runs his routes. Uh, he has a very good feel for sitting down in zone, which is really important for that role. He's got great hands, catches the ball all over the place. Um, He's athletic. I wouldn't say that he's, you know, not going to be a top-end tester. He's not going to blow you away, but he has the right attributes for the role. He's very quick. He's very tough. Those are two things you're going to need there. I was kind of pleasantly surprised by the receiving after I was sort of all in on the returning. And then you sit down with the guy, the player, and you're like, mm, I'd, I'd want him in a room. And he's going to be comfortable with that role as a fifth or sixth wide receiver having to play special teams. That's not going to chafe on him. He doesn't have that sort of diva wide receiver you know, archetype personality, I thought, "Mm, nah, I'm in on Nico Remigio, like him a lot. Um, can't wait, can't wait to see where he plays in the league.
1: Yeah. It's, it's very much like a, you know, maybe we're getting a Braxton Berrios. Sure. Again, you know, sixth or seventh round pick fine. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now honorable mentions for the offensive side of the ball, Jameer Gibbs, uh, who I promise we will talk about in depth one day. <laughs> we one keep kind of dancing around it. Uh but Gibbs is is absolutely one of the most electric receiving backs of this entire class, even though he is on the smaller side. Uh Keaton Mitchell, again, just an absolute burner out of the backfield. Uh Devin A chain, legitimate like Olympic caliber track speed. Tyler Scott, who even though he didn't test as well as people expected, you throw on the tape and you look at the GPS data, and he's one of the fastest receivers in this class. Uh, and then Tyjohn Lindsey, you brought this one up from uh, from Oregon State, one of your guys.
0: Yeah, I saw him at the Pro Day. I didn't really know who he was. He was the third or even fourth receiver uh, for Oregon State. And we started off in the weight room, and he's really small. He's 5'8". He's listed at about 177. Um, rocked up. Again, if you're talking about BMI, that's really solid. But we couldn't really see great from where we were standing, who was benching. And he put up like 18 or 19 reps. Now, they only officially counted 13. So the guy, the spotter standing over him didn't count some because he either didn't touch his chest or didn't go down far enough, whatever it was. But he literally put the bar up 18 or 19 times and he pops up and he's this big. (laughs) And I was like holy crap who is that so I look him up and it's Tajon Lindsay went back and watched his tape and he scored on everybody in the Pac-12 he scored a couple touchdowns against USC really sharp routes he looked great in the field drills once we moved across the practice field into the indoor facility and they started running routes very good hands ran a legit sharp 40 um in a in a fast time that you would expect and I, I reached out to a friend of mine and said man Tyjohn Lindsay's like is is he good? I think he's really good. He said he's nice. He's just little. <laughs> and I was like, perfect. He's going on the list. So really impressed by Tajon Lindsay. Again, he's not going to get drafted high. Nobody's going to be banging down Tajon Lindsay's door on draft day. He might go undrafted. I don't think he will. Again, he's got some return versatility in there, but he's going to be a late round pick, and somebody's going to be pleasantly surprised that they get a very good receiver who is incredibly strong and and crafty on the field. Um, who just doesn't have a Big height profile, so they're going to get him at a discount.
1: Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball now, uh, starting off with linebackers. It, it's not that often that we see uh, you know, linebackers under 5'10", but they do exist. They are floating around there every now and then. This year is no different, and there's a couple that we really like uh, for various reasons. Ivan Pace and Johnny Buchanan, who, to me, even though Pace is the better of the two, they have very similar styles, which is, I am a sentient missile, I am going to fly downfield and get tackles for loss, and there's nothing you could do to stop me. Um, Before we get to pace, I I do want to highlight Johnny Buchanan first, because I I don't think that we've talked very much Delaware fighting blue hens on this podcast before. Eh. Uh, You know, we, we try to pride ourselves on talking about all caliber of prospect here. Uh, and Johnny Buchanan is one of the best Delaware players to come out in the draft in quite some time. Uh, he's a three-time all-conference player at linebacker, was an All-American, led all of the FCS in a, uh, in tackles with 150 this season, which is insane production. He's just got a nose for the ball, highly instinctive, flies downhill. Even though he is 5'10", he is yoked. Like, he's a very, very, like thick uh, build which I I think probably helps him hold up with contact inside and and, you know kind of puts guards on their asses sometimes he kind of takes you surprise uh, takes you by surprise with his power so even though he's a smaller guy he's really really physical really instinctive Uh, 156 10 yard split with a 40 inch vert so he's got the 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 closing burst and the short area quickness that you would expect uh, from somebody at, at his size profile but uh, really fun player. Again, he's a late day three linebacker because he's 5'10 and went to Delaware. But like you throw on the tape, and you can understand how somebody like him racked up 150 tackles in the season because he is everywhere and always around the ball.
0: Yeah, my report for him starts off sawed off heat seeker at the MLB spot. <laughs> uh, short arms, uh, under 75 inch wingspan, but again, solidly built, quick trigger. Um, plays with good leverage to get under blocks when he is engaged, uh, gets off of blocks very quickly, disengages with his hands and the ability to slip sideways, pursues, but he's in control and with purpose. Like he's not the fastest guy. He put up a 4.7 140. I would say he runs probably in the high 4.6s on tape in pads. Not super duper fast, but that doesn't matter because he's mentally quick. He's at it at the snap. He plays with tenacity. He's got really good eyes, sorts through the trash well. Everything you would expect for a guy with 150 tackles. Bunch of tackles for loss as well. Really good grip strength, so even though he's got short arms, if he gets a hand on you, you're probably not going anywhere, and that is one singular hand. Um, Really good hand-eye coordination. Uh, He's got short arms, but he is around the ball a lot because of his uh, mental understanding in the game and his positioning and he catches it you see a lot of linebackers and even defensive backs that don't catch the ball when it comes to them when the ball comes to him he catches it he had some interceptions which is really surprising again at his size hustles sideline to sideline has special teams experience which he's absolutely going to need when he gets to the league um, if there's any negatives it's he gets caught trying to tackle too high sometimes um, has not great change of direction it's functional uh he's faster in a straight line than he is going sideways but again he plays squared up we talked about a size and sort of physical comparison if you're looking at a physical comparison for him Jerry greenlaw who went to the 49ers is a very good physical comparison within an inch of height within just a few pounds of weight within a one-tenth uh, of their 40 time and If you're looking at play style, it reminded me of, um, Tyler Matikiewicz who came out and has carved himself out a really nice role as a special teamer still in the league. Uh, and if, if Johnny Buchanan of Delaware ends up with that NFL career, that is a, that is a success. Um. So he's a fun player. I'm glad we get to highlight him on this list. It's very hard to bring up quote unquote true sleepers anymore because there's so much coverage and it goes on for so long in draft media that pretty much everybody's been talked about at one time or another. Some people get talked about a lot more. Some people get talked about a lot less. But I would imagine for a lot of you listening that this might be your first exposure to one Johnny Buchanan and we're happy to bring it to you.
1: Now, next up, Ivan Pace is somebody who we talked about, even going all the way back to the gems episode, I believe. I think I think yep. he was one of our gems, um, and his his kind of hype train has just steadily gotten faster and faster and faster, really since Senior Bowl week. And I, I think he's one of the rare players where Draft Media has kind of found a consensus on him, <laughs> which is if you need an inside linebacker that can get sacks, you draft Ivan Pace. And it doesn't mean that he's not good against the run. It doesn't mean that he can't cover. But what it does mean is that if if you're in a defensive system that likes to blitz linebackers, and blitz linebackers a lot, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice if you take anybody but Ivan Pace because he's one of the best pass rushers in this class at any position in terms of his ability to just take on a block one-on-one and defeat that block. He is one of the best players regardless of position in this entire draft class and you know i think back to um uh you know back in the day uh, arizona cardinals who's it uh daryl washington right Mm -hmm. uh if i recall correctly that you know undersized linebacker at arizona who would still end up with like eight or nine sacks and you're like how the hell like they're just running cross dogs but like you look and he's like oh because he's dumpstering every running back that he encounters on on blitz pickup yeah ivan pace is that type of guy he's just even thicker and uh, I think he's going to carve out a pretty nice career just from that skill set alone
0: yeah I would make the designation between pass rusher and blitzer and as a blitzer Ivan Pace is deadly (laughs) like (laughs) just deadly you saw it senior bowl with running backs trying to block him again that that drill is not set up for running back success But you don't see linebackers embarrass everybody they go up against to that level. It was rare. So if the offense knows he's coming, i.e. he has his hand in the dirt or he stand up and he's covering up the defensive end and he's leaning, he's coming. That's what I'm considering a pass rusher. He's not great at that. If he is up at the line and it might be zero, or he might drop, or it's a coffee house blitz, or a cross dog, or whatever else, look the hell out. He is most likely getting a sack, and that is a very valuable skill set. It is a narrow one uh, in this particular, you know, conversation that we're having, but. <laughs> Don't forget that defensive coordinators love the ability to bring pass pressure from the middle, and he is outstanding. If we have to pick a superpower for him, that's it. The other one is he's just angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he just loves to hit people. He makes sure that if he hits you, you know you got hit by him. He, he is has a classic linebacker disposition. Um, but I would say that particular skill is what sets him apart.
1: It came out today, the day that we're recording this, that um, Devin White is apparently requesting a trade from the Buccaneers. And now, at this point, I'm just penciling in I haven't Pace for the Bucks if they ship off Devin White, because he would do the same thing that Devin White does, because Devin White's best skill set is, is blitzing. And I'm like, well, if you want a cheap option that you're not going to have to pay a bunch of money to, they could do the same thing. There you go. Spend a six round pick on Ivan Pace.
0: The idea of Ivan Pace playing in front of Anton Winfield Jr. I'm I'm not sure my oh, heart could take good it. Good Lord. <laughs> I'm not Ooh. sure my heart could take it.
1: Now, moving on to uh defensive backfield, you know, looking at corners and safeties. We'll start off with corners here. Although to be honest, all three of these guys are going to end up being nickels in the in the NFL, so we'll just call it nickel cuz I'd be kind of surprised if they if they play outside again because of height and height matters when it comes to outside corners for defensive coordinators and how they approach the position it is what it is these guys are going to play inside Uh, we got trey tomlinson clark phillips and starling thomas Um, phillips and thomas in particular did play most of their snaps outside at corner in college tomlinson kind of did a little bit of everything so there is a little bit of a question about conversion for, for Phillips and Star. Honestly, I have less questions about Star converting inside to nickel just because we, we saw him do it all week at the Shrine Bowl against really good receivers. Like he was going up against Zay Flowers in practice and giving him all he can handle. He was fine. Um, and he's really, really tough, it's super thick build. Again, he's one of these guys where it's – we understand the height, but you look at the BMI and he's freaking rocked. And he's got a 4-3 speed. And great quickness i have less concerns about him going into nickel than i do about phillips because um, phillips is is more slight more slender and also is not quite the same caliber of athlete that being said clark phillips on tape is the best player out of all these guys so it's kind of a fascinating discussion of like okay are we trusting you know build Uh, And what we saw live with our eyes was Star Thomas, or are we trusting Clark Phillips being the best DB in the Pac-12 going up against a bunch of really good Pac-12 receivers? Or are we trusting Trey Tomlinson, who also is a crazy-ass athlete and has played multiple spots uh, in a major conference? I'm not quite sure exactly how I would order these guys yet, but I do know that I like all of them.
0: Yeah, they're all excellent players, and and I'll push back a little bit on on Clark Phillips being called slight. He's 184 at 5'9", which again, if we're talking about BMR, he's really solid, and anybody that plays on the Utah defense is tough. And I don't care if you're a corner, I don't care if you're a safety, I don't care if you're a linebacker, I don't care if you're a defensive end. Like Utah is the team in the Pac-12 that best emulates an SEC defense that is just going to beat the hell out of you for the entire mm-hmm. game. And if you're going to play on that on that side for that team, you're going to be tough. And Clark Phillips is definitely tough. He has not tested well, and that gives a lot of people pause. I go back to the tape on that one and say, look, there's you know the speed of the guys he's playing against on these tapes look what happened look at the results so i think he'll shift inside i have similar confidence to star thomas um for clark phillips in terms of shifting inside he's big enough he's definitely tough enough he plays with enough tenacity you're gonna have to stop the run as a nickel defender in the nfl i think he can do that as well he shows that on tape so i'm not as worried about that if i'm worried and worried isn't the right word if i'm concerned about height if i'm thinking that height is going to affect somebody or size overall it's trey thomason because he's really small but he is a dog like he is a tasmanian devil he does not let his stature which he has no control over let's be honest it's not like he chose to be you know sub five nine doesn't matter to him never really figures into his game and he attacks every receiver he goes against as if he was six two two ten like it doesn't hold him back at all and and you see that aggression all over his tape sometimes it's even too much because he gets caught you know going for things over commits and whatever but it's always gas a hundred percent and again same conversation we had about Bryce young if if Trey Tomlinson was five ten and a half, oh
1: yeah <laughs> nobody <be> <laughs> would
0: nobody would say anything about it and he would be in the top five corners in this draft he yeah. would be a first round consideration for sure like not necessarily a lock but he would be in consideration for those you know last 15 picks in the first round because his tape says holy cow wildly aggressive corner that's really skilled super physical really fast and then people just go oh but he's five uh, but again, look at the players he played against. You know the speed, you know the size, you know the skill of all those players. Those guys are getting drafted. Look what Trey Tomlinson did to them on tape and you'll have a lot less worries.
1: I think uh, Tomlinson is one of these guys where I would strongly consider doing a safety conversion just because of his range. Um, and I, if they converted him to safety because of that, I could kind of see him being like another LaMarcus joiner. And people say, ah, oh, mm-hmm. LaMarcus Joyner was never like an elite safety. LaMarcus Joyner played like 10 years. He's still playing. <laughs> like he's He got drafted a long time ago, and he's still yep. in the NFL. That speaks to the quality of career that Joyner's had. And I think Tomlinson, again, as a shorter guy, if we're giving him more space to work with so that he can use the explosiveness and speed and all that kind of stuff, I don't think it's necessarily going to matter as much In terms of like getting posted up by, you know, six, four receivers. I don't think that's going to be as big of an issue if we make him a safety. Um, Now, when it comes to Clark Phillips, this is kind of like the the way back machine a little bit. You remember Brandon Boykin? Yes, Uh, I do. At at Georgia. And then he was like an elite nickel um, in the league before injuries kind of derailed his career, but he was very similar size. He was 182. Phillips is 184. Again, I'm not saying he's like Emmanuel Forbes slender, but Mm -hmm. he is slender. You know, star has like 10 pounds on him. Uh, And and so I think that, uh, you know, Brandon Boykin is a a pretty interesting comparison because I think skill set wise, they're very similar. Great short area quickness, phenomenal feet, ball skills. uh, Like Clark Phillips has some of the most impressive interceptions in this class, not necessarily in terms of like making crazy catches, but just like, wow, man, he got there quick. Wow. He read that quick. Like he's just so instinctive and, and so refined technically that I think that he could be a Brandon Boykin pre-injury, which in the first few years of his career, he was literally a top three nickel in the entire NFL. And so I think he's going to have value because of that. Uh, and then star Thomas, I think, uh, you know, look, trying to think like a, a, a comp for him just because of his build and his like thickness, I kind of think like Cam Sutton is a, is hmm. a possibility there, and and just the way he plays, right? Like he's just, like, it looks like he just wants to rip your face off every single yeah. snap. He he just he takes it personally that you're lining up against him, and I I love his mentality. I love I love his aggression, and I I I kind of even though again we're talking about playstyle comps versus. Mm-hmm. physical build comps they're not they're not the same thing but in terms of like play style i'm like man he's got a lot of cam sutton to him and cam sutton's a really good player
0: yeah the outlier for me was the 40 at the pro day mm-hmm. like he, i was like man if he runs four four five he's gonna get drafted solidly And he goes out and runs four three and you're like oh okay on top of being physically stacked mentally right with it just sort of emotionally aggressive on the football field he plays like a like a pint sized linebacker like that's how he approaches it. he wants to hit he wants to be in your face he wants to oppose he wants to make sure you don't catch the ball that you don't get a yard like that is his demeanor that is his mentality which is funny and i will, I will specify on the field mm-hmm. because off the field he's relaxed he's laid back he's fairly soft-spoken um you can tell there's that little glint in his eye that it matters to him and he does he's one of those guys that flips the switch when he puts the helmet on he's a very different guy but off field we got to interview him that interview will be coming out and you know uh, just you'd never know uh but on the field you'll never forget like if you've gone against that guy you'll remember so then he comes out the pro day and just Blows the doors off, and I thought, whoa, man, I thought he was quick. I wasn't so sure he was fast. And, look, if you're going to run a 4-3, you got to be fast. And he was flying on that day. All credit to him and his trainers. Gives him another sort of depth. Back to um, Tomlinson, the the
1: one I can't get out of my mind is Jason Verrett. Ooh, okay, be still my heart. That one's... (laughs) That right? one's tough. <laughs> and it's tough because it's yeah.
0: double-sided, right? When Jason Verrett was healthy, he was one of the best corners in the league. And I don't say that lightly. But health was a problem. It was like literally every other year, he would have a decent year in terms mm-hmm. of health. And a lot of people will say, well, that's what you're getting when you draft a five-nine corner. But Verrett could literally play with any wide receiver in the NFL when he was healthy. He wasn't healthy a lot. And I feel similarly about him, about Tomlinson coming out, right? He has to continue to develop as a pro. And no, I don't think he's going to be great outside. And and look, they put big wide receivers in the slot these days too, right? There are 6'4 guys that play in the slot. It's going to be a challenge. Posting up in the red zone, do you want a 5'8 nickel on a 6'4 wide receiver? Probably not. Yeah, But if you're going to have a 5'8 corner on a guy that's 6'3 or 6'4, Tomlinson is a decent choice because he's not going to give you anything. So it'll be fascinating to watch all three of these guys' careers. I'm a huge Clark Phillips fan, certainly a fan of Star Thomas after getting to interview him and Tomlinson's tape speaks for itself. So all players that I like, want to see where they go and want to see how they're used. It's going to be key to their success. Great guys that again just don't tick off the high chart but every just about every other box. Phillips's testing, I understand, has some people worried just about every other box, certainly on tape, you're like, these guys play corner.
1: Now, moving over to uh, the safety spot, you know, we had to get to the Illinois guys at some point. You can't talk about secondary players and not not have an Illinois mention. Uh, you know, we talked about Jartavius Martin in a previous episode and gushed over him. He's one of my top DBs, and we've talked about Witherspoon multiple times. He's – everybody's either top or second to the top DB. Sidney Brown is somebody who hasn't been talked about as much, but he's still going to be one of the first five safeties off the board in this entire class. And then you got Jamie Robinson from Florida State. Who, you know, you look at his profile and it's okay, five, 10 and a half, 190 half, hundred ninety pound safety who runs four six. Why should I be? Why should I be interested in that? But you look at the tape and you're like, he's really instinctive. He tackles well. He's tough. He's competitive. I get it. And even though physically he is not going to wow you at virtually anything, the dude just knows how to play fucking football. (laughs) And at some point, that's got to matter. So he's probably going to get drafted somewhere, probably late on day three, because you don't really have to teach him anything. And I think that at some point, coaches value that. It's like, if I'm going to have to tear you down and build you up you better be a freak athlete. He's not a freak athlete, but you don't really got to teach him a whole lot. He's kind of out of the box, ready to go. If we got to throw him in and get snaps out of him, he can do that. So uh, Jamie Robinson, again, will not wow you athletically, but as a football player, very, very solid.
0: As a football player and completely rocked up, one of the guys that came out of the combine already had kind of half a tick for me on the rewatch list or go back to earlier list after the combine sort of Fully made that check and said, no, I like his game moves with fluidity, understands the position. Eyes are good. Feet are good. Hits with power. Um, Again, it's sort of a ready-made third safety out of the box that, again, if you're getting that anywhere past the fifth, you're pretty happy with that. Plenty of experience in a big conference like that. There's very little project (laughs) to his game. There's much more plug and play. Sidney Brown we have to talk about, and strangely enough, his twin was in the running at running back, Chase Brown, who plays running back for Illinois because he, too, is a physical freak, not surprising. Sidney Brown, you know, blew the testing out of the water, had a very good Senior Bowl week, was part of that incredibly intriguing Illinois defense overall as a a tape watch if if you have access to tape, Illinois defense. Worth your time. <laughs> front and back. They've got, they've got guys coming out from the front four next year. Well, well, uh,
1: before, before did, did you do the same thing I did when watching Illinois, where you just, before the play even starts, you just write down cover one because you know it's coming? It's like, oh, I can't wait to see what version of man they play this time because nobody well, can get open. <laughs> when you
0: have that many athletes in the back, I'll say specifically the back four, but really the back seven, um, you can do that right? You can just say, look, you're not going to beat us one-on-one. So we're going to go one-on-one because it gives us so much flexibility up front to run more exotic pressures and, and really come at you and, and sort of tear your face off to grab a phrase from you in the pass rush. But in the back, their, their defensive backfield absolutely chop people up. And Brown was a big part of that. He is an incredible athlete. Both he and his twin brother, Chase, are top, top tier athletes. Super twitched up, very well built for their size fast um both bring speed to the game play with a lot of speed play with a lot of power um, from their respective positions Uh, safety for sydney running back for chase and just is versatile and the reason he's going to be so highly drafted despite not having the stature that some other safety prospects have is overall athleticism and versatility you can use him anywhere if you want to put him down close to the line and have him you know hold the run as a force player no problem he can do it if you want him to run down the seam with the fastest receiver on the other team he's going to be within a step uh, if you want him to play a sideline to sideline and just be a tackling machine almost like a dimebacker, he can do that. So it's, it's this versatile chess piece that you can put in almost any role and not be like, oh, okay, hang on, we can only do that if we've got a sub package, right? Oh, they're running two minute. Oh, we're not going to get a timeout or a change for our personnel oh we can't run xx or x if you have Sidney brown in there he's not going to be the reason you can't run some variation of whatever you want to run on defense because he can do it forward backwards or sideways um really interesting player and again top level athlete um this class is short on super high level athletes at the safety position he's one of the best in that class and was just effective no matter what illinois did with him I'm excited to see where he goes because I think very quickly people will forget that he's not five eleven or six foot and just go, damn, that guy's around the football lot. He makes plays. He's got a lot of Cam
1: Curl to him, in my opinion.
0: Um, yeah, I don't remember what Cam ran coming out. I think Sydney's a, plays a little bit faster. I, I but think I'm no, Sydney's faster, but
1: in terms yeah. of just because, like you know, you, you kind of do a little bit of everything uh, with cam curl and they have done a little bit of everything with cam curl. And like, you know, he's not going to fuck it up. Like Sidney Brown reminds me of that. Right. Where, yeah. From especially like for teams that love three safety looks, you know, if their nickel package is three safeties, he's going to get on the field immediately. Like I'm talking week one, he's going to get on the field and he's not going to mess it up. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you on, on Sid Brown. Um, third round probably seems fair just considering that's
0: i would say it's the start and honestly if he slipped into the back of the second again because if a team's looking and they need safety it's not a great year to need safety we talk about all these positions it's great to to need if you need edge or running back or tight end you're you're in it this year defensive back and we generally mean cornerback if you need a dedicated safety this year and you have a specific role in your defense that needs to be filled, if you miss out on one or two guys, there's a drop-off. The next guys you're going to are more projects, or maybe it's a converted corner or something like that. Again, you have to teach them some things. They're not going to start on day one and not mess it up. So he might go a little bit earlier than people think i don't think it's first round material if he went in the late second round i would not blink an eye because somebody probably has a plan and went i like everything else i saw i like tape i like his senior bowl performance against top competition like i am i'm good i'm in and, and i wouldn't be upset with that i think the reasonable range is probably middle of the third anytime starting then totally good with it and after that it's just like you just kind of turn up the value meter right if he makes it to the fourth i don't think he will you're just looking at going hey man i know we were planning on picking x but like brown's still there (laughs) and it's the you know end of the third we're in the compensatory picks or top of the fourth we're like yes sir right away
1: plus i think he could play dimebacker too because again he's he's he plays like enough Yeah, and he's like 210, right? And there's there's some linebackers that aren't that far off that. Like, Darius Leonard played at 215. Like, it's it's not that far off. It
0: it gives you flexibility as a defense to say, oh, well, it's a three-safety look. Well, it's actually kind of closer to a three-linebacker look with a two-safety look because we're going to shove that coverage down and try and deny, you know, the edges. He's got the speed again to get out to the marker and knock people out of bounds. Really interesting player from that perspective.
1: Yeah, Uh, honorable mentions on the defensive side. We got Sid Brown's teammate, uh, Jertavius Martin, who is one of my favorite players at any position in this whole class. Uh, Just a phenomenal safety slash nickel. Uh, Corey Bennett, Deshaun Jameson from Texas, uh, very underrated player who we did get to talk to a little bit at the Shrine Bowl. I don't know if we'll get that interview out uh, before the draft or after the draft, but he's a really great interview, great kid. Um, Ty Freeland, uh from William and Mary I have to admit I did not get to him but I know you campaigned to put him on this list
0: yeah he's really interesting I was I was just sorting safeties by height and I saw William and Mary and I thought huh I looked him up started his career Howard ended up at William and Mary uh 5'9 186 do the BMI on that it's pretty darn solid Uh, and just plays with a very measured you see him call things out he's almost like a middle linebacker for their defense he is the guy putting people in the right spot calling out motions before they happen so although he tested you know i would say well for safety 455 um you know a 440 shuttle 35 inch for 10 inch broad those are those are good numbers across the board certainly 10 for, inch broad <laughs> sorry, 10 foot broad. Whoops. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Tennis broad. He didn't even hop the length of his shoes. No, he's a good athlete, but he, again, kind of like Jamie Robinson, better football player. Um, yeah. and man, does he like to hit if you like hitters at safety. And I mean, like hit you run up over you with the forearms and then rub you into the ground as he gets up. Uh, there were more than a few instances of his on him on tape with the offensive player, like pushing to get him off him he's that guy um and so again not a name that probably a lot of people are familiar with but uh don't underrate late round pick on ty freeland or certainly priority
1: udfa so we got william and mary we got delaware we got Oregon yeah we stayed on here we're going with everything a little bit yep. of everything uh all right well that'll wrap it up for this week's show we have uh another great show plus another live stream coming uh Next week, right? Yeah, next week. Uh, I can't remember who our guests is, or the order that we're doing our guests in for the next couple of shows. But it's
0: JTO Sullivan, QB School, followed by Matt Bowen from ESPN. So we'll be talking more defensive backs with Matt. But we're gonna we're gonna branch out a little bit. Matt wants to spread his wings outside defensive backs. Famously, he played defensive back in the NFL. He coaches defensive back in high school. A lot of people try and pigeonhole Matt as a defensive backs guy, but he is he is a football guy. He's an extra nose guy. So we're gonna go. A little bit outside the box, and I think we're going to have a ton of fun and, and can't wait to talk to JT.
1: And I know we're going to have to talk a little bit of Iowa with Bowen, too. Oh, come so on. Got, He's a you got guy. You got Ness. You got Hawkeye Loss, through Jack Campbell. Uh, and then JT, we have a very, very fun format that we have planned, and, and our editors are working on some some really cool graphics for that one, too. So keep an eye out for those episodes next week as well as the, uh, the live stream. Uh, next week, we'll have information on day and time for that live stream coming in next week's episode we want to thank our executive producers once again for helping to make this possible everybody over in the executive producer tier on patreon as marat consti caden andrew taylor liam connor joey and mike once again couldn't do it without any of you guys we appreciate your support immensely and uh with that we'll be back next week later take care